Welcome back. This is Seeking Alpha's Investing Experts Podcast, and I'm Rob Isbitz, and I'm pleased to introduce my co-host, one of the sharpest, sharpest witted investors I know, my friend Matthew Tuttle of Tuttle Tactical Management. He is not only a Seeking Alpha contributor, he's uh, in the industry what we call that guy. Well, he's that guy who took on Kathy Wood's ARK ETF by creating an ETF called SARC, which I happen to own personally right now. Uh, one of my uh, inverse positions. And uh, he's also that guy, that guy who created the inverse Kramer and Long Kramer ETFs. See, Matthew wouldn't want to talk about this because he doesn't like to brag about what he's done, but I can. I can brag on him. Now, look, I know he has a lot more up his sleeve. I strongly encourage you to follow his work on uh, Seeking Alpha and elsewhere so you can see who he's going to call to task next. Uh, you know, as investors, we all need some mythbusters and folks who speak truth to the hype. And uh, that's what I try to do. And that's certainly uh, why I like uh, doing this with Matthew. Matthew, how are you, man? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. And uh, I am, again, Rob Isbitz. I'm a Seeking Alpha contributor. Quick alert. Name change announcement to make uh, on Seeking Alpha. A few thousand of you, thank you, have gotten to know us as a Modern Income Investor. Uh, the Seeking Alpha page, formerly known as Modern Income Investor, is about to uh, have a name change. We're going back to our roots. SunGarden Investment Publishing. SunGarden's been the brand name of my firm since 2010. It signifies that our investment approach is about more than just me. Sun is for the Sunshine State, Florida, where I've lived for 19 since 1997. Garden is for the Garden State of New Jersey, where I was born and raised. And so I hope you'll consider following SunGarden Investment Publishing on Seeking Alpha. We're going to do our best impersonation of the Fed. By that, I mean we're going to just keep poking at the bear until something breaks, okay? That's right up your alley. You ready to break something today? I'm ready to break a lot of things. Good. I'm going to quickly tell you three things going on in today's markets that I do not care about, and then discuss each one with you to see if there's a reason that I should. And then I'm going to tell you three things about today's market climate that I do care about and why, and we'll debate that as well. And then, of course, we will finish up by naming names, which tickers we're following most closely, what we're buying and selling, and then we'll look our ahead to our next podcast, which will uh, be next week. Deal? Deal. Three things I don't care about. First, CEOs pumping their business trends based on the so-called reopening trade. It's earnings season, right? So the end of the pandemic is like supposedly unleashing all this pent-up demand for entertainment, travel, other forms of fun. At what point do we let go of this? Is this, this going to go on for two decades? Like, oh, well, it's the reopening trade, okay? Um, so to me, this has just been... Another opening for well, uh, I should say, less well-heeled consumers to borrow and spend and borrow and spend. So now we had this consumer balance sheet debacle for so many years. They were given a lot of free money during the pandemic. The balance sheets were flush for the consumers and probably for some corporations. And then they spent through it again. What do you think of all this? Because to me... It's one of those things every single day. I see the headlines and, uh, you know, I want to scream. Yeah. So, you know, Kramer calls this his life is too short theme. And, you know, if you look at, you know, all the travel and leisure stocks, 
they look like AI stocks in, in, in the way that they've moved. And, you know, if you're asking when does this end, maybe that's today, but it's Tuesday. And, you know, and the airlines are starting to sell off. Um, I believe it was earnings from somebody, maybe Alaska Air. And, you know, I've been watching Airbnb as a possible short for a while. I think that's still doing well. But, you know, I personally shorted uh, one of the cruise lines this morning in sympathy to the airlines, because, again, I don't, you know, I, I don't see why these stocks are trading, you know, like AI stocks. Um, you know, the, the Fed is still going to raise rates. I don't think that's good for the consumer. Oil prices are starting to go up again. So, you know, the, the answer to your question might be today. We, see, we start to see the end of that. Number two, what do I not care about? I don't care what Elon Musk is doing or saying. In my opinion, and uh, I stole this from a fellow named uh, Dan uh, Carlson. Uh, he and a guy named Michael Batnick do a uh, terrific podcast called Animal Spirits, which is one of my favorites. So shout out to those guys. Uh, and he started saying this a long time ago. Elon Musk is the biggest uh, uh, online troll in the world. And based on his moderating profit margins... Uh, when somebody says, wow, who do you think Elon Musk is? Is he changing the world? Hey, you never know. Maybe he will. And, and he already has in some ways. But is he going to change the world in a million ways? I don't know. To me, at the end of the day, he's the CEO of a car company, not the future of everything. And he's got this little annoyance called X, which we used to know as Twitter. To me, at the end of the day, I'm just looking for stuff that goes up. And I'm trying to either short or avoid things that are going down and find things in the middle that I call too tough and uh, move on from those quickly to focus on the buys and the, and the sells of the shorts. What do you think? You are, you are known for, let's say, uh, not being afraid to put your finger in the face of uh, big, powerful, influential people that influence stock prices and market behavior. Yeah. So, you know, and, and we're trying to get a 2X long and a 2X short Tesla ETF out. So, um, you know, I, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Elon Musk is, is awesome from the standpoint of, you know, he makes this fun. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's a totally, completely different CEO. And I think that translates into Tesla's stock price. And, you know, as a trader myself, Tesla is a stock I love to trade. And, you know, you compare it with, you know, GM or Ford or, you know, Rivian or Lucid. Yeah, I, it, it is, it's just a much better stock to trade. And a lot of that has to do with Elon. And I would not be shocked if this whole X thing isn't a joke. And within the next couple <laughs> of days, he says, you know, just kidding. And we go back to Twitter and the bird. And, you know, whether it is or it isn't, he's a character. And, yeah, I I think you need that. By the way, I will say this, okay? Brilliant, yes. Am I entertained by him at times? Yes. Uh, But at the end of the day, it's kind of like, you know, like, can we stop with the noise and just, like, let us do business here? Uh, But you're absolutely right. With the volatility and uncertainty, I mean, look, that stock's not trading on fundamentals, right? 
And as long as as long as it's right. not trading on fundamentals, it's probably going to be a lot more fun, isn't it? Oh yeah, with, without a doubt. And now I think you know the the Tesla bulls when it's going up, and the Tesla bears when it's going down would argue it does trade on fundamentals. They just don't agree on what those fundamentals are, which in an Great which point. in and of itself is a lot of fun because you've got you know, a group of perma-Tesla bulls and a group of perma-Tesla bears and, you know, watching them fight it out. You know, because sometimes, you know, I, I, I love trading. I love watching markets. But, you know, sometimes during the day, stuff just flatlines and, you know, you, you need a little bit of a distraction. So watching Tesla perma bulls and perma bears fight it out, you know, that, that's better than any reality show. Yeah. Do you have to set your clock like, uh, you know, your stopwatch? Like, hey, I can do this for three minutes. And after that, I have to sound my own alarm or I'm going to really sap my productivity for the day. No, I mean, these guys going at, at each other are, are fun. I mean, I won't name names, but, you know, you, 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 you've been on some of those spaces. <laughs> you know who I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I have. Yeah, the... The, spa- the, the, the spaces that would otherwise draw, you know, a couple thousand people uh, like my uh, hometown Miami Marlins do for a home game in baseball. Uh, but instead, uh, they draw a Yankee Stadium-like crowd uh, whenever Tesla is the subject. Yep. Okay, great. Um, let me just do do you, like, you think back, okay, we both went through dot-com bubble and, and uh, financial crisis and all that. What's the closest thing you've seen to, let's call the aura of Tesla and Tesla stock going back? I mean, I can't really think of, of anything. I can't think of a CEO that has been this colorful. Um, I mean, and, and it's not a good example, but like, you know, Jack Welch at GE, who was not this colorful, mm-hmm. but certainly was, you know, the face of a company or a Lee Iacocca from Chrysler. Again, not as colorful, but, you know, the, the, the face of a company, you know, so I, I mean, off the top of my head, those are the closest things I can come up with. All right, good. Uh, all right. So here's my third and final thing I don't care about. I don't care that the market's rally, and I'm talking S&P 500 here, is supposed to stop. I'm a technician for 43 years. You are somewhere in that neighborhood. You're a little younger than me. I see a shift going on right now. I've been tracking this shift on Seeking Alpha. I mean, look, I've, I, yeah, I've written, I don't know, 160, 170 articles since like November or something. Uh, the ones that I would say I am most proud of are tracking this QQQ versus DIA. You know, I'm an ETF wonk, okay? So the Qs and the DIA. And to me, uh, this is what is helping the SPY continue to drift higher because just when the Qs stop running straight up like, uh, you know, like a firework on July 4th, okay, and then, and then it crests, well, and for a lot of reasons, my guess is this is, it probably has a lot more to do with uh, hedge fund managers and pension managers playing catch up from what they didn't get the first part of the year uh, because they were, uh, you know, they, 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 they were underweight NASDAQ and 
probably had their money in like, uh, you know, solid cash flow, somewhat reasonably valued companies like a lot of the ones in the Dow. Um, so, but as far as I'm concerned, look, I, you know, as a technician, yeah, the rally, it, it's so long in the tooth. There's so many sentiment and other things that, that would, would tell you, you know, yield curve inversion, so many signs that this thing should turn around. And at the end of the day, I do not care about any of that. If we go all the way up to the old highs at 4,800, and now we have a trading range between 4,800 and 3,600 from the lows last year, well, then that's what it is. So, uh, but I, I kind of feel like a lot of my fellow technicians are barking a lot about, oh, this is supposed to end. Well, you know, it'll end when it ends. Uh, and I think you can identify with this, Matthew, that, um, you know, you, you, you can't tell the market what to do uh, or, or you're going to have your hat handed to you. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's a saying that I really love and I may have heard it somewhere. I may have made it up. So for the sake of this podcast, let's assume I made it up. Uh, and that is trade based on what you see, not based on what you think. So what I don't like either is, well, every time this has happened, this has happened. And when the market does this, then it does this. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at what I see. What I see at the moment is bullish. And, you know, I think if you are going to be a perma anything, at some point you are going to get your head handed to you. And right now, I mean, you know, I spend a lot of time on Twitter and, you know, there are a group of perma bears who are just getting savaged. And, you know, and some of them have disappeared completely. And I really hope that those guys didn't blow themselves up because, you know, another thing that I always found interesting, and I know I didn't make this up, but, you know, it's that the, the bears sound smart, but the bulls make money. So, you know, I love the perma bears and, you know, well, you know, the S&P is going to go down because of this, this and this. I mean, it's great analysis. Um, you know, it, it hasn't happened. But again, I hope those guys are okay. But, you know, to me, you've got to be agnostic between long and short. You've got, you don't need to understand why the market's going up, but I think you do need a sense of the rotations, you know, where money is going. You talked about the QQQ versus the Dow. And, you know, up until today where it's flipped, you've seen money going to the Dow lately. Whereas earlier in the year, it was going to the QQQ. Um, you know, we go down, you know, even, you know, to the sector level. You know, where is money going? Because money moves around. It's not just, you know, these hedge funds, these money managers aren't just buying the S&P. They're buying, you know, everything else. So uh, I would say this. The one thing that I think is pretty good to be PERMA in investing and this is really about the only thing. I like being a perma-realist. Sure. I think that makes sense. Yep. Um, okay, so let's move on. Uh, there are three things that I really do care about right now. Uh, and I'd love your reaction to this. So first is the Dow Jones Industrial Average, okay? So uh, I think you get a kick out of this one, as uh, will a lot of the Seeking Alpha audience. I, I heard some younger investors chatting the other day 
can't remember exactly where. But they were lamenting that the market was down 2% that day, and they had lost a lot of money in their trading accounts. So I looked at my phone, I'm like, what are these, what are these guys talking about? 2%, 2%, okay. I looked at the S&P 500, I looked at the Dow, they were down like two-thirds of a percent. Then I realized what they meant. They were talking about the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ was the quote-unquote market, and then it hit me. You and I are old enough, we're both in our 50s, I'm almost not in my 50s, you've got plenty of run left in your 50s, congratulations. We are old enough to remember when the Dow was called the market, okay, and everything else outside those 30 stocks in the Dow was called the secondaries, remember that? Uh, they, they were the non-blue chips, okay? So for me, not much of that thinking has changed. It doesn't mean I discount the other stuff, but you could take the Dow 30 and, you know, throw on maybe another 20 uh, stocks, uh, uh, some of the glamour stuff and, you know, some of the others. And, and I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to make another nifty 50, but basically, you know, Look, I, I just don't think a lot has changed. Uh, and again, going back to this uh, uh, DIA versus QQQ thing, there are times when the Qs are flying, great. There are other times where, you know, you want to run the heck away from them. And, and we'll get into the, that, um, uh, uh, that historical uh, you know, swing back and forth, uh, probably another episode coming up along with the inverted yield curve. I've got two follow-ups for us for, for future episodes because uh, I think they're really good drill-down uh, uh, questions for next time. Can't wait. But anyway, I kind of feel it. Yeah, I kind of feel like I'm in the minority. What do you think? Uh, what do you think here? And then I'll, I'll kind of give you my bottom line about what I think the Dow is. But I want to get your, your, your initial input here first. Yeah, I mean, all the indices I think are stupid. Um, you know, you look at the concentration in the S&P and the NASDAQ. I mean, yeah, it's 500 stocks in the NASDAQ. I mean, most people, I think, look at the 100 because that's what the Qs are. Um, but, you know, it's really a, it's dominated by the Magnificent Seven. And, you know, and then the Dow, the way it's weighted, I mean, UNH is up 1% and the Dow is up like 500 points. And you're like, oh, my God, you know, the market rallied today. The Dow's up. Oh, no. It's just UNH had a good day and, you know, that's the highest price stock in the index. So I think they're all poorly designed. You know, I, I think you ought to be watching them, but, you know, I think you get a much better sense of what's going on looking at the equal weighted. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, and, and, and looking at breath measures. And, and that's what I was going to say, okay. I'm thinking more in terms of, well, there's two ways to think of it. One is lists. They're just lists, okay? A hundred NASDAQ stocks, although most of them don't count, <laughs> you know, unless you're, you know, you're buying QQQE, which is the uh, equal weighted uh, uh, NASDAQ 100, which I, you know, I think a lot of people who like NASDAQ investing but don't like uh, the what's happened here. Uh, look, NASDAQ even had this... Uh, uh, a first ever rebalancing, uh, first ever of its kind rebalancing uh, because some of the stocks got too big and it was starting to make it so that portfolio managers, uh, uh, pension funds, etc., 
uh, would not be able to continue to hold the stocks because they were breaking their own um, uh, diversification rules. They were undiversified. So, you know, I mean, I wonder if this is, you know, part of that bell they ring at the top, but I, I, I guess we'll see. I'm sure we'll come back to that another time. But when I think about the Dow, I'm really thinking about the 30 stocks. I know there's a quirky weighting and all that, and there is an equal weighted Dow. There's a yield weighted Dow. Uh, it's it's uh, EDAO and DJD for those who care. But I guess I'm looking at it as, you know, like what is the stock market, okay? Today, if you're an investor, and, I, and went back when I was an advisor, I used to always say, you know, <laughs> there aren't many investors, at least there weren't at the time, okay? If you had, you know, individual retail high net worth clients, you're not saying, all right, I'm going to buy 6% of this one and only 2% of this stock for you because that's their cap weighting. You would equal weight or you would have a couple of tiers and that was it. I think it was really the advent of something that we both hold dear to our heart, exchange-traded funds, ETFs, uh, that kind of changed that because now when you did invest in the market, you were automatically getting thrown into the cap weighting and the more money that went into the cap weighting stuff, it created, if you will, a self-fulfilling prophecy, did it not? Oh, yeah. And, you know, and not only that, but now, you know, you've got the dollar cost averaging people do 401k contributions every month. So it just keeps making these stocks bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, eventually that could cause a problem. But again, just because that could happen eventually, you don't necessarily need to be trying to trade that now. But certainly, you know, that's a scenario that ought to be in the back of your mind. So I'm going to wrap, uh, wrap up this one here, then get through the other two so we can get to our, uh, you know, what we're buying and selling. Uh, okay, I'm, 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 I'm going to keep my Dow, thank you. I'm going to keep my Dow 30. I'm going to keep following them closely. You know why? The, the bottom line for me, Matthew, is that the Dow is a great starting point to build around for a portfolio. Okay, a lot of people, I think, I see things in the comments section on Seeking Alpha, and it's like, well, the Dow, it's old and old-fashioned, the whole thing. Yeah, but I'm not putting 100 percent of my money in it. Okay, but when I look at it, I can see that I own 30 stocks very specifically, and now I can work around it with full transparency. Try doing that with a 500 or a 1,000, you know, Russell 1,000, right? So anyway, uh, yeah, I guess I would summarize it with a food analogy because everything to me is either a sports analogy or food analogy. Dow's kind of like quinoa. It's kind of bland by itself, but it's a great base that you can build from. All right. I, I, I don't eat quinoa and I very... I cannot remember the last time I bought DIA. So there we go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I eat my share of quinoa, you know, it goes with the gluten uh, intolerance. So uh, there we go. All right. So uh, next, uh, uh, on things that I do care about, uh, I, I alluded to this before, so we'll keep it quick here. Uh, I'm going I'm to kind of call this like I see it. Uh, here, Matthew. Okay, the market range looks like it could be forty eight hundred to thirty six hundred on the S and P. Um, I think eventually we'll see that southern boundary get sliced like it's boar's head meat at your local deli. When 
who knows? But the market's recognition, you know, there's a lot of consumer debt, student debt, corporate debt, government debt. And this is a whole that I think, I think, logically, studied economics, we're eventually going to have to climb out of that hole. And that's going to weigh on sentiment, earnings, everything else. And then we'll have a dot-com bubble-style bust. And get until then, just like you and I are doing, grab all the tactical profits you can. Yeah, I might think bearish. I might think it's going to end up bearish. But so what? It doesn't stop me from making money right now and next week and two months from now and until it ends. And kind of going back to what you were saying before. Um, and I think ultimately we are going to have probably a two to three year period, a la the early part of this uh, century, uh, where there is difficult to make money on the long side. Tactical will always work. Um, uh, but as far as when all this happens and how long you got to wait for it, I go back to... Uh, uh, Judge Brandeis from the Supreme Court and what he said about pornography. You'll know it when you see it. You'll know it when it's time. Until then, let's try to make money however we can. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're reading out of the J.P. Morgan playbook. Market's going to go down. I just can't tell you when. Uh, very, very, <laughs> very useful. Thank you. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, it, it, it won't go up in a straight line forever. Um, you know, again, trade based on what you see. We've got a lot of data coming out today, tomorrow. We're in the thick of earnings season. You know, you may get your southern border slicing, you know, later on this week. Um, I mean, I don't think Whoa. so, but... That'd be something. That'd be something for my portfolio, let me tell you that, because when you own way out of the money put options, okay, you know, kind of like, hey, I I always just say, uh, you know, my my number one investment rules avoid big loss. Everybody figures out how much uh, is is big for them. Uh, Back then, I would set it for clients. Today, I just, it's a concept. Um, But uh, you know, avoiding big loss is part of it, but the, the corollary to that is take big shots with small amounts of money, which is why I love way out of the money options. And I'm guessing you do too, either that or, or, no, or do you prefer I, your levered uh, two, two, three times stuff? No, I mean, not even that. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll trade options, but, you know, and, and again, I move, I think, a lot quicker. On you know, I'm more of a trader than you are, so you know. Uh, I'm 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 swing out to long term investing. Okay, yeah. So like you know, for example, you know, again, we're we're speaking Tuesday afternoon. Microsoft and Google earnings are tonight. I am sitting on at the moment mostly cash, and I will probably raise more cash before the market closes just because I don't want to have a lot of exposure going into Microsoft and Google earnings. And I'll do the same thing on the Fed on Wednesday. And OMG, Matthew Tuttle, what a perfect segue into my last thing that I do care about. You know what else I care about, Matthew? 4.82%, okay? It's actually a little higher than that, I think, as we uh, sit here. That's the yield on the two-year treasury uh, uh, closing yesterday, 4.82%. And for those of you who are listening to this who think, okay, well, how do I actually put some of this in a, in a motion, okay? I've got this thing called a Roar score, which uh, 
uh, of all my little creations, I think this is the one I, I enjoy the most because it's helped me make the most money and save the most money. Basically, take a sheet of paper, write two columns. One says offense, the other says defense. Let's say you got $100,000. Well, you know that for anything you put on the defensive side, you can probably get close to 5% by putting your money there, uh, whether it's in um, uh, T-bill to out to two-year, even almost three-year uh, oriented ETFs. Um, you can do it with individual T-bills or short-term treasuries. I've never had more interest in the treasury auctions in my life, 37 years of doing this, than I do right now. Um, and, you know, you let all this malaise and confusion and, and things that just don't seem right historically and otherwise, let it all settle out, okay? So let's say that, again, it's offense and defense. But if the defense is paying you 5%, I mean, you know, for gosh sakes, you could put 80% of the money there, theoretically, at 5%. And that's a 4% return on your portfolio, and then the other 20% gives you a lot of room to maneuver tactically, buy, hold, whatever, okay? Why did I use this example? Well, Matthew, it's about, broadly speaking, if you look at my whole portfolio, all the different uh, uh, types of accounts that I run for myself, and uh, it's about what it looks like. So anyway, um, I figured I would kind of spec it out that way, offense, defense, 80, 20, at least for now, uh, ask me in a month, it could be uh, flipped uh, significantly, 20, 30% the other way, probably not going to be 100, zero. Um, so this is what I care about, that, that there is no cost. In fact, there is quite a benefit to saying, I don't blanking know. Just like you were saying very short term about those earnings from Microsoft and Google. Well, right. I mean, you know, I don't know what Microsoft and Google are going to say. And even if I did, I don't know how the market's going to react. And then we have Powell on Wednesday. We'll sure know by the time this airs, though, won't we? We will. But I'll, you know, I mean, Powell, same thing. I mean, I know what he's going to do, but I don't know what he's going to say. And I don't know how the market's going to react. So, you know, me being a, a short term guy, I'm going to go into those binary outcomes with a whole heck of a lot of your defense and not a lot of offense. Now I will be ready to shift to offense if Microsoft and Google come out and say, you know, hey, you see what NVIDIA said, we're two times better. And Powell comes out and says, you know what? I'm not in the mood to raise interest rates anymore. We're going to start cutting. Yeah, all right, I'll be ready for offense. But, you know, given that I don't know that that's going to happen, We'll, we'll, we'll go in with some defense first. Defense wins championships. The age-old expression, my friend. And look, like I said before, I'm everything from swing all the, swing trading all the way out to long-term investing. Uh, and I, the what you just described, we're kind of saying the same thing. It's just that I'm saying for 80% of my money, okay, semi-retired, but working anyway. I want that base because, not forever, but because 
the conditions right now, the long-term conditions, and by the way, the Ruhr score, I have a shorter-term one, I have a weekly, I have a monthly, and I have a quarterly, so it's, it's different time frames. But, you know, the longer you look out, the less certainty, and to me, the fact that you can get defense at that price, and let's face it, I don't think either you or I think we're going to have 15% inflation. And by the way, even if we do, uh, there's TFLO, which is a Treasury floating rate ETF, which will ride up nicely along with those shorter term ones if, if the short rates are going up. So uh, anyway, uh, let's use that as a nice way to dovetail in the last little segment here, uh, what we're buying and why. Um, I don't mind telling people I own T-bill, I own X-bill, I own O-bill. That is three months, that is six months, that is 12 months. Treasury bill ETF pays a monthly coupon, uh, so it smooths it out. You always own the current. There's not a lot of price movement there, and uh, and I own plenty of individual coupon treasuries as well. As long as I can grab a four percent range, my wife loves this because she can count the money and see the money and project the cash flow. We think that's pretty cool. I did uh, cut my position in half after a nice profit in XLG. Why? Because of what we talked about before. The uh, XLG is an ETF that owns the top 50 out of the S&P 500, which basically is like the whole market cap of the S&P 500. So uh, earlier in the year, about four months ago, I thought it was a pretty good idea to sort of crowd at the top. That was the vehicle in which I used to play it. There are others. There's even one that just focuses on 10 FANG stocks, FNGS, not the one I own. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, made a nice gain on that in uh, four months, cut the position in half, and made some room for... Drum roll, please. No surprise, given what I said before, DIA. I own the Dow now. I also own CAF, which is a uh, small cap uh, ETF. You have said many disparaging things about small cap indexes. I agree with every single one of them, although I did bring this one up, I think, last time. Uh, and uh, you kind of gave it a passing grade, as I do, because it has... Uh, more of a uh, earnings revenue fundamental tilt to it. Uh, I mentioned before I own a little piece of SARC, uh, which is the ETF that you came out with. That's not why I own it. I own it because I like the idea that SARC, uh, as an inverse of Kathy Wood's ARC fund, gives me effectively a levered bet if the market very suddenly falls apart and I don't have enough time to do other hedging. Um, and, uh, lastly, like I said, I own a lot of out of the money calls and puts on things like the spy, the cues, the DIA, and that's what I'm buying and why, what would you like to share with our audience, uh, in that same respect, Matthew? Yeah. So, and, and again, your swing to long-term I'm, I'm day trade to swing. So, you know, again, by the time this comes out, it could be different. But, you know, I've been doing a lot of stuff in Brazil. Uh, so we own EWZ, which is the Brazil ETF. We own Ballet, which is the, uh, the metals. Um, we own Stone, which is another Brazilian company. 
Uh, also been buying, you know, other industrial metals. So, you know, Freeport McMoran is one we currently own. You know, getting into a lot of the value stuff. So BTU and coal, MOS and fertilizers. Um, you know, playing around a little on the long side with the regional banks, which is weird for me because I was shorting them most of the year. But we do own a little bit of First Horizons. Um, you know, been doing some things in China. So we've been playing Alibaba. You know, one of the things I like is when you see a whole bunch of articles come out saying something is about to crash, that's usually a good time to buy. So right around the time we were seeing, you know, all of the major media publications saying China's this, China's that, you know, we started buying Alibaba. And that's that's been pretty good as well. Um those oh and in some energy stocks you know exxon we own and we own my favorite which is uh company nov but that's uh reporting earnings soon so i'll be i'll be out of that one before earnings and hopefully back in after so that that's a little bit of a taste and you know and a lot of a lot of treasuries we also own t-bill i have a bunch of laddered kind of three six nine you know all, all the way out there and um yeah, that's that's what I'm holding. Great, great. Uh, funny, I did not mention, but you mentioned it and reminded me, so thank you. Uh, added a smidgen of uh, energy exposure this week. Uh, did it through a pair of small positions. One is XOP, the Drillers uh, ETF. The other is PDBC, which is a non-K1. So for those of you who hate filing the K1 tax form, but I'm not giving tax advice, of course. Of course. Of course. Uh, whatever. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with tax advice, but uh, just not from us because we're not tax people. We're going to turn this into a Seinfeld episode before we're done. Anyway, Matthew, anything else that you would like to say before we roll out of here? So to me, the biggest thing is going to be Microsoft and Google earnings. You know, a lot of people were focused on Tesla and Netflix last month, last week. The problem is Tesla and Netflix have nothing to do with AI. Mm-hmm. Microsoft and Google do. This rally that we've seen the past couple of months, I would argue, is AI driven. And it brought Tesla and Netflix along for the ride. But they're not the important stocks that Microsoft and Google are. So I do believe their earnings reports are going to be very important along with the Fed, but also realize we've had a lot of weeks this year that you look at it on the outside, you're thinking, wow, this is going to be the most important week of the year, and it turns into a nothing burger. So we'll see. Over and over and over, agreed. Uh, One quick question for you on the way out, okay, Uh, to follow up on what you just said, because by the time this episode airs, uh, we'll know the answers to a lot of the stuff you just mentioned. Is there something as you look out to, oh, I don't know, uh, the week of July 31st, early August, uh, uh, right? I think NVIDIA's uh, toward the end. You got you got NVIDIA coming up. Yeah, you got a lot of earnings coming up. So, so is there another one in that batch that you would say that that is... Not, that will not have been released by the time this pod episode has, uh, that you really kind of got circled on the calendar. I mean, it's it's really, it's the biggies. I mean, NVIDIA, Apple, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, 
you know, I think those are going to be the most important. What some people call the whole freaking stock market. <laughs> well, it, it, if you if you look at the spy and the cues, it is. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, Matthew. And thanks to all of you. Nothing in this podcast should be taken as investment advice of any sort. And at times myself or uh, Matthew Tuttle, my co-host, may own positions in the securities mentioned. You can follow Matthew Tuttle and me, Rob Isbitz, at Seeking Alpha. You'll find transcripts of all the episodes. And we invite you to take advantage of Seeking Alpha to become a premium subscriber. Learn more at SeekingAlpha.com slash subscriptions. For Matthew Tuttle, I am Rob Isbitz, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.